Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget? Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is the Bad Batch Report. Wow! 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 The noises get more exciting every episode. It started as Ken singing a little bit of theme music when I said Clone Wars Report or Bad Batch Report, and now we're getting down to was that a, a wrecker yelling in Doppler? That was record tossing troopers. I think it was flying troopers. I was trying to add, I'm not a, I'm not a professional voiceover artist, but I was trying to do the, 
Uh, it's perfect. Uh, it's very, very good. Uh, it did sound a little like record, like swinging one uh, clone right. trooper past the mic again and again. Beautiful. Yeah, it's uh, always even a more little, difficult to do. Yeah, always a little bit of record in my heart. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but that is one of the shining moments of the episode. Record just chucking troopers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> a thing of great beauty, and we're going to be discussing that, I'm sure, for at least half of the episode. Uh, but we are excited to talk about everything in this episode. It is episode 10 of Bad Match we're discussing. That episode is titled Common Ground. It is written by Gersimron Sandu, uh, directed by Saul Ruiz. It's about a 24-minute long episode, and we are solidly into the second half of the Bad Batch this season, at least. I believe if all the reports are correct of 16 episodes, that means we got about six episodes left. How are you coping with that, Ken? I am coping very well because I've been enjoying this slow roasting, even though it's a show full of action. And this episode, a ton of great action. I I really love. But, you know, it's just the show keeps we've been talking about it, but it just presents itself in this somewhat of an older style. 16 episodes seems like. You know, there might as well be network uh, uh, television in 1982. It's so long and it's taken its time in a modern world of shorter seasons and, and, and where we just crave the big water cooler moments six episodes in and then we're done. And I just respect the hell out of what the show is doing. It's almost like to me, just what they're saying. Hey, we know we're probably not going to be as popular as Mandalorian. We're not going to get as much subscriptions uh, in that business kind of world, but we're going to do what we want to do with the story. Yeah, and I think it's really working for me because I think it is telling a fun, episodic adventures. Each episode uh, stands alone and can be a really the one where this happens, you know, the one where they uh, rescue a separatist senator. Uh, but it is telling this great, long story about the Bad Batch being stuck in this world of change and what's next for them and giving us this great picture across the galaxy of the horror of the empire just immediately solidifying and immediately being terrible. And we've been talking about those ongoing stories uh, throughout this, uh, this podcast. Uh, But this episode, I think really brought some of that stuff home. So let's get into uh, overall reactions. Did you love this episode? Like it struggle with it? Yeah, I, I really liked it. And it's funny when the episode end, I had this weird reaction. I just kind of went like, Oh, okay. So that that's kind of it with this episode. And, and not in a negative way, but just like, I, I really enjoyed what they did with that. And then I watched it again and really enjoyed it. This is a, this is a great world war two tank battle. This is I, I, Kelly's heroes. I've seen people reference that online already today, saving private ride. Uh, even in our own discord, people were saying battlefront two vibes. You get to just kind of run around, <laughs> steal a tank. And uh, you know, in terms of star Wars, uh, looking at other genres or styles of movies and stories and pulling it into this galaxy, uh, a good old world war two tank battle. Uh, I, I really enjoyed I really love that uh, the reaction has been everything from this feels like, yes, a commando mission in a war kind of story to uh, a video game, which makes sense because they have some uh, storytelling overlap. But this one felt very video game to me in a great way down to, oh, I got to I got to I'm controlling all the bad batch. I got a tab over to tech uh, so I can take control of the camera so I can see who's around the corners like am I I'm watching a show, right? There's not a controller in my hand. I'm not doing this right. Yeah, and, and you even had to choose your squad, and you left a left a member behind, and uh, maybe that wasn't the right personnel move, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's is it an escort mission with uh, the droid with GS eight, or is that just an ally taking along? What is that? Um, but yeah, I, I I do not mean that. I know sometimes people are like it's it was just a video game is a critique. Right. Uh, that for me is not a critique. In a way, it makes me feel 
more invested because it, it was similar to some of the various battlefront levels. So for me, I got this sort of a visceral involvement of I've played scenes like this. I kind of feel that tension of oh, who's right behind me. Yeah. <laughs> Am I going to get shot? Oh, I think I make it. I think I'm going to make it out. But this tank I commandeered is so slow. Like I viscerally felt it because I've oh, experienced it yeah. in video game form. Yeah. And that's something when you're like, what's this mission? I got to take down a walker on foot. Come on. <laughs> oh, and then I got to steal when it just marches so slow. It's so cool, but ah, slow. Um, yeah, I, I've seen other people talking about this uh, being back to basics. And I think it was in terms of the adventure of the week aspect. But I think the storytelling that they got out of going back to the basics was really, really uh, powerful and effective for moving the big picture story along. You know, I like that it is a little bit of a step backward, I think particularly for Hunter, because he, he's concerned about Omega. He has made it clear over the last several episodes that whatever the Bad Batch's purpose is, uh, whoever they're going to be, soldiers, mercenaries, rebels, whatever noun they're eventually going to adopt, what matters to him is protecting Omega. And he kind of has this step back of like, sure, you're part of the squad and I'm giving you an order to stay. <laughs> yeah. And so there's this kind of like, there's a little bit of this kind of relationship regression there. Yeah. Which then kind of makes sense that the episode is sort of getting back to like, well, this is a, a bad batch mission. We're going to try to sneak somewhere until it turns into explosions, which it absolutely will because we're the bad batch. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed the setting, enjoyed what, what, how they presented it and, and the, kind of the well-balanced dual tones, right? Because we kept cutting back to uh, Omega as a Minnesota fats hustler in a billiard hall. <laughs> and it was kind of fun and worked in that way, too. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I, I've seen some people talk about, hey, it's this really great episode of it, it is back to basics, and it's got this fun uh, B story, and I think the B story is fun, but it, it also is really important to me. This is like important evolution in this question that they've been really clear on about how much does Omega get to be the squad, get to be a part of the squad, like she wants to be, um, and how much can she be held back? How much is their responsibility? to keep her safe versus let her go out and experience the world and face the challenges that she needs to, to grow up. And it was very much a part of that story. Mm -hmm. Uh, will also be in a, a, a fun and funny B story. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, the other thing, other stuff for me, just overall that really made me enjoy this episode is that, you know, this is just such a true clone Wars sequel. It's literally mm -hmm. fallout from the clone wars. Uh, it is in some ways the most, uh, accurate, uh, clone Wars because it's clones fighting clones right. um, and I really like that the big guest star of the week and I know that people have been up and down on on uh, how many guest stars how many people you know from the past pop up and I really like that the guest star this week wasn't Rex or Cad Bane it was the separatists yeah <laughs> the entire concept of not the uh, the greedy uh, trade federation and all of the other corporate alliance uh who have their own financial motivation and not the Sith manipulation of Dooku, but the actual systems who had disagreements, legitimate disagreements with the Republic and getting to spend some time highlighting them was really great as well as just keeping that focus that everywhere the Bad Batch goes, they're going to be affected by the reality of the galaxy around them, that the Empire is here and everything is changing. Yeah, it's fair to say uh, Raxus may be the big uh, special guest star of the week, right? Oh, absolutely. We, we, I went uh, I went deep to confirm uh, all of my Raxus uh, remembrances and so we can yeah. dig into Raxus uh, in our canon section. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with it. But yeah, no, it was, uh, I had that thought too, of just when you're watching these ATTs, just, you know, tranche around and, uh, you know, clone troopers, stormtroopers. I'm calling them stormtroopers now, but really they're, you know, clones almost from uh, the first batch and attack attack the clones and yeah storm uh, clones storm clones there you go that's and then uh yeah this just just straight up talk about separatists uh yeah i i great great point and great pool that's the guest star yeah raxus and the separatists in this particular episode in common ground uh the last thing for me big picture is uh i had some anxiety last week wanting confirmation that Omega did uh, keep a hold of her crossbow uh, throughout her adventures of uh, being kidnapped by Cad Bane. And I was thrilled to see it back on her back. Uh, So Omega's crossbow is safe. That's all I needed out of this episode. Uh, With that, let's get into the, uh, the big themes. What ideas were at stake in this episode to you? Well, yeah, a big shotgun blast for me here, right? There, I mean, there was a lot. I, I got to tell you, the first viewing, uh, you, you and I generally the same. I know we'll maybe make a note here and there, you know, action moment for comedy moment, but I'll dig into the themes later over a cup of coffee, maybe later in the day or later in the morning. Um, there, I just, I was like, man, this, this is, I thought maybe there's one or two. Then you look at it, there's this idea of being useful, feeling useful, uh, live to fight another day. Literally said, I'm like, well, that's kind of an interesting question. Maybe not a theme, but a question. How do you do that? Why do you uh, doing something about it? Actions, building trust. Um, But the two ones I want to really highlight here. uh, One's a parenting thing. This is a show about parenting, as is Mandalorian. Uh, And mom, if you're listening, overprotection doesn't necessarily protect the ones you're trying to protect. It's about you, right? It's it's a a form of attachment, this fear. Uh, And I thought that was at play a lot where I I am not going to hold Hunter too close to the flames on his decision. Uh, Again, until you put Omega in armor. I'm I'm, Omega in armor. (laughs) It's my hashtag. Uh, you know, I understand where he came from, but just he learned along the way that was more about his fear and more about his, uh, I don't want to say even stunting her growth or, or putting a, a cover over her, her, the light of her purpose here if she was a candle. Uh, you know, it just, but it, I, I get where he came from, but then you have to learn to grow past that and, and, and th- that he feels it instinctually on the mission to, uh, you and, you and, you know, you and Omega go here. Well, she's not here, which is a great fun moment. So, anyways, that, that parental theme was big for me. Yeah, no, I, I had written this down under our kind of larger Star Wars themes, but I'm really glad that you brought it up right away because it's one of the big things of the episode is uh, I think, you know, Star Wars obviously has a lot to say about fear that if you give into it, it leads to horrific things. Uh, mm. If you just try to avoid it, that's not great either. You have to face it. Uh, I think there's also moments in Star Wars where you kind of have to assess, is somebody afraid of something that might happen in the future and obsessing on it? Or does somebody have a legitimate concern that, yes, a very bad thing is like 80% likely to happen. So you got to be prepared for that. Um, And that's the way I was thinking about about some of those elements of uh, my first viewing. uh, It it washed over me in a great way. The the, uh, idea of Omega wanting to be a part of the squad and kind of being pushed away. But the second time I watched it, when Hunter says at the beginning, like, look after everything she's been through, the kid needs a break. It just felt like a, I wanted to see some text appear on the screen that said, lie, lie, lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's about you, Hunter. You need a break from being frightened that something is going to happen to her. Yeah. So like on the one hand, you have his sort of like his fear-based reaction of keep her there. Uh, but I love what you're saying is I think there could be more of a legitimate concern reaction mm-hmm. of like going back to the advice that uh, Sue LeQuain gave him of, yeah. Kids are going to get into trouble. You got to let them grow up. You got to be there to protect them. So like Hunter 
instead of uh, holding her back, give her some armor. <laughs> give her some armor. Yeah. Because keeping her at home, the fantasy of she'll never be in danger, that's fear. Yeah. Giving her some armor is legitimate concern. Yeah. Yeah, no, and you, I love that you pulled that, that exchange. The, the kid's been through a lot. She needs a break and wreck her. She seems fine to me. She's probably more in tune with what's going on. And it's like this idea of being useful, uh, you know, again, I, I, if you're going to tell me, no, no, uh, Omega's pretty special, right? She's not just some average, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old kid going around or whatever age she might actually be in the, in the cloning process there. Um, you know, this 13, is 13, I think. Yeah, is that, about, that seems about right. Um you know, this is like, hey, we're going to go down to the park. Do you want to come? No, this is like, it's, we're go- you're going to a potential war zone. I understand it. But I think what you're saying is really valuable, Joseph, where it's like you go back a few beats to where uh, he's just now, to me, to me, looking for the excuse to keep her back. Right, right. This could have been, hey, uh, the friendliest person in the world needs to be picked up on Pillow Planet. It is the <laughs> safest planet in the galaxy. <laughs> uh, you, you're going to have 1800 other guards with you. And Hunter would have said too dangerous for you, kid. Like, yeah, uh, he had legitimate concern. It is taking her into this Imperial stronghold, as he says uh, yeah. to Sid. So there is legitimate concern, but it doesn't feel like he's wrestling with the concern yeah. and finding a way forward. He's just giving into fear. Yeah. And you just pitched the greatest Star Wars middle grade reader ever. The rescue to pillow planet. is. <laughs> something we need now. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, it ju- almost jumped to the end, but just when she, now, now, Hunter doesn't know at this moment that she's really good at Dujeric and she can uh, help Sid con people and make money and help pay off the debt. Hunter doesn't know that. You can't probably see that. I, I, I get not. I get I get it. I'm going to defend Hunter a little bit. I think overall, not necessarily to you, but to the overall conversation in Star Wars. But the idea of, of her just being like, I want it to be useful. And even if he was like, hey, I got to leave you behind here, but maybe you could do this for us here. Or maybe this is someone going, you know, th- that's part of it, too. Is that the right way? No, probably would have been throw up some knee pads on her and get her to the battle. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's all part of the big picture. <laughs> yeah. Knee pads for Omega. Now, um, yeah, I think the usefulness thing is so important because... I think that's a little bit what's going on when he is forgetting that Omega's not on the mission. When he says, you know, you and Omega go here and text like she's not here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, is not just to me about Hunter missing her. It's about the fact that through the show, we have seen her not just be um, somebody who needs to be protected. She is not an annoying escort mission on a video game that just right. walks into fire. Uh, she has been a valuable member of the squad who has done things and seen things that the other clones couldn't or didn't because she does have her own unique, valuable skill sets. Well said. Yeah, it, it is that feeling of it wasn't just like, oh, he, it's like she's already part of the team. You know this. Uh, you've made this decision. She's earned it. And uh, just to have that casual like, oh, that's a that's a that's your gut telling you, hey, you may have may have made a mistake there, Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your other uh, big theme? Yeah, big one for me is uh, changing your future while challenging your past. Ooh. Uh, yeah, this common ground theme, great idea. Just even the uh, TV guide entry when you clicked on uh, Disney Plus, like, you know, the Bad Batch has their ideology change. Oh, <laughs> we're going good. <laughs> we're going to where we kind of because you and I were talking last week. We our expectation going forward for the next episode was uh, around like Bad Batch kind of blank or get off the pot, man. Like, y- yeah. Decide. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and they are still resisting that, <laughs> or at least Hunter is. I don't think the others are questioning as much. It feels like yeah. the others are just kind of trying to get through. And it, it, Echoes made his his perspective clear yeah. that he kind of agrees uh, with Trace and Rafa, with the Martez sisters, of like, eh, choice is coming. Uh, we could be out there with Rex, you know. Um, yeah. And then it seems like Tech and Wrecker are just getting by. And Hunter's the one who's like, uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do. It was great in this episode to be reminded of this very concrete thing of not only has Sid threatened them in the past of like, I know you're valuable. It'd be a shame if I told somebody about that. Mm-hmm. But now she's really pressing this in this episode, this very specific thing of, you know, you can't go anywhere until you pay me off because you've screwed up these other jobs and right. I've charged you <laughs> docking fees. <laughs> Mental mix fees. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's fascinating because Bad Batch. Yeah. Great to point out. Echo. The, the Bad Batch is a, is a team, but eh, mostly Hunter, maybe the lead singer of this band has been contemplating a change change. Should we go country? I don't know. We've been rocked for so long. Um, but then, yeah, I love that this episode when faced with just simply helping a separatist and a droid. Man, Hunter specifically, but even the rest of the group, they're ready to maybe back off that change. Maybe not Echo. Um, and, and again, a distinct lack, lack of Echo sometimes in these episodes. I know that comes up every now and then in conversation. But I, I was fascinated by that, Joseph. Just the idea of like, we like to make some changes. Oh, not that change, because it's just so tied to your past and where you were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, for me, that was you're touching on the the two big themes that the the way I framed him is uh, definitely this idea of of choice, which mm-hmm. I want to come back to in a minute. But I really thought that a ton of the episode took uh, its its cue from this that central TV guide entry, as you said, mm-hmm. about ooh the Bad Badge has their ideology challenged. Mm-hmm. I felt like almost everyone and everything did. There was to me this theme of the appearance or the assumption of the thing uh, versus the more complex truth mm. that that either there's a judging a book by its cover and that's not uh, what it is or there's a hey maybe that person that idea used to mean this but things change and there's a more complex truth so um, we got layers and layers of this in my opinion you, we're yeah. starting with a, a very familiar version of this that uh, the empire kind of claims one appearance when we know that there's a more complex truth right they mm-hmm. are uh, literally in this episode uh, we, we've got that imperial out front talking about unity and cooperation and then is you know arresting immediately arresting and torturing people uh, yeah. so we have like unity in the front torture in the back right mm-hmm. which is a great <laughs> yeah. hairstyle but yeah not, not a, a terrible player. hairstyle <laughs> but a true one for uh, for the empire unity in the front torture in the back uh, and then I think we've got this this big one that echo is really the one specifically uh, pushing uh, that he does not want to rescue a separatist uh, because mm-hmm. separatists are what they are to his mind you know yeah. And then it, it, I don't think it's oversold, but he I think Echo really sees that Avi Singh is not what Echo uh, <laughs> thinks of as a separatist. Right. Yeah. Echo has uh, faced uh, torture from Wat Tambor, from corporatists and greedy people and, and faced, you know, seeing Sith Lords in action and all that. And I don't think Echo has seen this a leader who truly deeply cares about their people to the point is who is almost so selfless he's going to turn around and do something dumb something Mm -hmm. suicidal right to be like well i can't let them go so i'm just going to march back into the empire's hands you know and and uh, echo scene uh the complex truth instead of just the simple appearance or the surface assumption is to me like that's the big moment of this episode 
Mm. Uh, that's that's uh, another well said and connected to his past too, and just uh, everything he's explained uh, or everything he's experienced. Yeah, I think that's a great starting point uh, and, a, and a big point, as you said. And, and and again, this episode starts with even Senator Davi Singh, excellently portrayed uh, Alexander Siddig. Let's give him a shout out. Uh, yeah, yeah. From Game of Thrones and many many other things. Uh, Deep Space Nine is the, yes. my touchstone for absolutely for him. Great casting. He just has that kind of. Uh, you know, just kind of, there's something in his voice. There's some there's thoughtfulness all through his performance, uh, and and just the fact that he he must look back at what he thought of the Republic. Uh, you know, he kind of mutters a little stuff about that, and then just has that moment. And, and, and the freedoms he may have wanted. You mentioned being the I don't dare we say a good separatist. Or, you know, I know what you mean by that for sure. Uh, but he's he's got to change now and 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 see things for what it is. You got Captain. Bragg just the empire is not your enemy uh and how he just he feels the truth and has that feeling and, and must uh confront it there too just like echo will yeah yeah no and i agree with you i think the performance uh, the writing is great the performance and the direction of the performance really sells it you just don't doubt the sincerity of this person who yeah. wants to do right by his people you yeah. know and, and there is that larger story of the separatists um, that uh, people like Mina Bonteri uh, that we meet in the Clone Wars have legitimate grievances, and then those get uh, twisted and manipulated by Count Dooku, who is a Sith Lord, who is then partnered with greedy corporations who just want yeah. to make money off of suffering. Um, so then uh, this, uh, this general idea of uh, things kind of having this surface-level appearance in a more complex truth or a changing truth, mm -hmm. uh, you already mentioned it, but there's a real horror of seeing the ATTE, which we are used to as an audience, as uh, the vehicles of the Republic, of the clones, of the Jedi's heroes, suddenly being this marching force of uh, authoritarianism and terror, right? To see them close in and pin the crowd in that one shot of uh, the the walker just kind of walking over another walker. is literally just yeah. like, you know, uh, talk about the boot uh, being pressed down. That's literally just kind of, we don't care about anything, just crunching, marching forward. Uh, the the clones who you know were the brothers of the Bad Batch. They're a little mm. cranky about regs, but like this whole episode is them shooting down uh, yeah. with stun guns. They're brothers. Um, so there's a lot of just kind of visual, like this thing that even as Star Wars fans, this exact same image used to signify a different meaning has now entirely changed its meaning uh, in this timeline, in this part of the the timeline. And then I think uh, Omega's desire to be usefulness, desire to be uh, useful mm. and her actual skills are a huge part of this idea of things are not just what they seem, right? It's easy mm. to write her off as just a kid. And even Sid is doing that, right? Sid is like, uh, you're a kid, uh, so scrub. <laughs> That's what kids are good for, kid. <laughs> it's a hard knock life for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then there's this realization that there's a more complex truth, you know, mm -hmm. that she is part of the squad, that she does end up uh, paying off the debts, that she's got this valuable skill. It's a funny uh, B story, but it is a part of everything that is going on in the episode of things being more complex than they appear on the surface. And I think we even get that a little bit with Sid, where we know that she is for sure a uh, a hardcore mercenary who does things for money. But she even has some empathy for Omega, you know, mm -hmm. uh, she's mean to her and then gets uh, called out in that great moment with Bolo and Couch yes. <laughs> shaking their heads. And then she does go over and try to be kind of nice to her. So we see this side of Sid that we haven't entirely seen before this more complex truth, you know? Yeah, which, yeah, we, we definitely know Sid's motivations. But I think at that moment, there was there was something more beyond that. I, I, I want to 
I really want to like Sid. I do. Uh, maybe because we're both fans of Rio Perlman and Cheers, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's it. But, you know, I want to like her. I want to like her. Uh, and, and, and she has those great moments where I think she uh, the, the the facade drops. And I thought there was a couple there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last couple of things for me in this this theme. Uh, we've seen Raxus before in the Clone Wars, but I think we were really getting to see it through the eyes of uh, the Bad Batch. I really love that line from Hunter who said, I always thought we'd make it to Rax's someday, but not like this. Love it. So love that, that, that was such a, uh, we are closing in on, you know, uh, on Nazi Germany, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is, the, the, there'll be a hot time in, in the old town of Berlin. Fantasy in yeah. Hunter's mind of like, we are going to go, that when we win the war, we're going to go in guns blazing to take Raxus. And instead he's sneaking in to this beautiful planet. And I know we've seen it before, but from the perspective of the Bad Batch, like this is the heart of the Seppies. This is Mm -hmm. the heart of the enemy. It's a gorgeous city in a beautiful forest. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's just another way to really reinforce the, the, I think that main driving thing from Echo of separatists are this and they are bad. And here, even their planet, there's nothing bad about it. It's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. 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 Again, Raxus, what a guest star. What a guest star. Uh, and last thing for me, you you mentioned this, the, the there's that little hint of not being a fan of droids when uh, mm-hmm. there's some fun back and forth with GS8 and, uh, yeah. and Hunter even going, droids. <laughs> uh, but a lot of great stuff with, you know, GS8 uh, being pushed out of her comfort zone and stepping up to the plate and kind of being more than uh, what they assume she's going to be capable of. Even down to the vase, right? It, the, mm. the vase is a fun joke, but the vase yeah. is l- another thing where here, th- from GSA's perspective, the vase is an object of honor and status and tradition. And in this shifting reality, the vase's value shifts right. and it is now an object of change and necessity uh, from the perspective of Singh. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great point. F- funny beat. Uh, you know, who doesn't like throwing a, a vase at, at someone's head? You know, it's just fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely, the, 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 the shifting tides definitely work all through this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about choice too. Uh, did yep. you have more thoughts on, on the general theme of choice in this episode? I just, uh, you know, time and time again, what's, what's in front of you again, starting with Senator Ave Singh and, and, and to me it, it's, um, if, in a roundabout way, makes me think of some of Finn's stuff in Episode Nine, and 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 Janna just the idea of you know a, a, a feeling, and we all have those gut feelings when something just isn't right, and you have to make that decision, the big decision that could cost you your life. I, you know, obviously, saying, you know, I don't think he's thinking he's going to get house arrest and, and some nice crumpets in the morning. I, he knows what's coming, and and he does what's right. And so, uh, all through this episode, choices about going forward, choices of of uh, doing what you got to do. Yeah, no, I really, really like uh, that you highlighted that. That, to me, is one of the other big themes of not just this episode, but this whole show. It's been an idea in Star Wars stated other places that this era will always, you know, destiny is going to come for you. You're going to have to make a choice. Um, None of us can avoid, you know, quote unquote, getting involved forever. Um, But particularly this time in the galaxy where the empire is changing things massively and immediately and in a way that is going to affect everybody. Maybe rich people can kind of (laughs) skate out of suffering as much, but the entire galaxy is going to change. So it is 
these moments of, you know, personal decision about your own path, but it's all framed by this big galactic decision of either you're going to give in to the empire or eventually you are going to resist and rebel in some way. And that's kind of the choice in front of everyone. And this episode, I think, really uh, put a focus on that of uh, this through line is they've been they've had close calls with getting involved with, you know, proto rebellion jobs. Right. The Martez sisters with uh, actually just expressed to them out loud, like you're going to have to choose. Right. right. Uh, Rex makes it really clear that there's there's still some of us out there still fighting. Echo kind of agitates for maybe we should be doing that. And Hunter's like, no, 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 we just got to do our thing, keep our head down and do our thing. And here they are keeping their head down, doing their thing. And they're being sent on a mission which could be interpreted as a, a, a rebel mission, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Separatists used to be uh, the bad guys from their perspective, but now they're going to be their allies. <laughs> they're going to be the ones standing yeah. up against uh, the Empire. So yep. despite trying to avoid it, this is a rebel mission for the Bad Batch in my mind when I watch it. Oh, I, I hear Tyrion Lannister saying, you're in the great game now. You're, you're here. You, you, you've made the decision. And I hope going forward, we'll talk about that later in the episode, I hope that there's uh, there's some ramifications for that. Yeah, no, I hope so too. And uh, we talked about this a lot, but in terms of the escaping choice, you know, Omega wants to be a part of the action, wants to be a part of the world, and Hunter can't change that. He just needs to work with it. Get her some armor. Mm-hmm. Get her some knee pads. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with your fear. But then the other thing for me kind of on the big picture is – there are a couple places in this episode where they highlighted uh, different people's desire to not engage in larger truths, right? Mm. Uh, when Echo first uh, brings up, and Hunter brings up, they're like, you want us to help a separatist? And Sid says, a job's a job. Just wants to boil it down to, we don't need to get involved in all that. Um, and then once they land on Raxus, uh, it's even uh, stated very, very clearly, right? There's an exchange of dialogue where Tech says, uh, the client being a separatist is not relevant. Tech is, uh, is uh, trusting him because the codes worked out. So Tech says the client being a separatist is not relevant. Echo says it is to me. And Hunter literally says, forget politics. We're here to do a job. And like, Hunter, I know that's what you want to do, but yeah. you are rescuing a political prisoner from a government. <laughs> You're involved in politics. I love that Hunter's like, don't make Star Wars political. <laughs> it really is. And it is. Uh, I understand the don't make everything political 24-7 yeah. because it's stressful. And sometimes we need some escape and some uh, and a break from it. Yeah. But when you're telling a story like this, uh, I think that there is an importance to accepting what I believe to be a reality is even things that feel like little micro decisions uh, are affected by the larger political structure and who is succeeding and who is suffering and why those things are, are at work around us, uh, whether we acknowledge them or not. And that's a great moment from Hunter and from Sid of like, we just want to be uh, people who do jobs. We don't want to be political. It's just a job where we rescue a political prisoner <laughs> from the former central world of this huge antagonist who is just defeated. It's not political at all. We're just stealing them from the government that we used to work for, but now we don't like nothing political. Nothing political here. Move along, folks. Move along. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I thought that was great. There was kind of underlined so much as to yeah. literally put the words in one of the main characters mouth of it's not political. Don't worry about it. 
Yeah, uh, I'm laughing. I, I really didn't find it. it, it it's deep and has great meaning without a doubt. But yeah, I, I thought that was, uh, I don't necessarily think it was a super, super intentional meta moment, by the way, but I just, it it, it absolutely should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it is called Star Wars and wars are motivated by things. And yeah. those things are often politics. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like the Sith really hate uh, the Jedi because they prefer the color red and they just hate the colors blue and green. You know, it's it's uh, it's I don't, yeah, I have, I have an ongoing conversation with a friend of mine who's always upset that I'm destroying his, uh, uh, pop songs for him by me telling him the true meaning of them. And I'm like, look, you can dance to them, but the song's about heroin addiction. It's there whether you want to engage with it or not. Uh, yes, I love that uh, idea. Now I'm going to picture that as Hunter of like, forget <laughs> the song meanings. We're here to dance. Semi-charged kind of life is a great just rock song to dance to and, and about heroin addiction. Right? <laughs> uh, it can be both. It can be both, right? <laughs> uh, this is a great heroin song to dance to. Uh, any other uh, themes from this episode before we dive into kind of bigger ideas uh, from Star Wars? Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you could mold it in, but just I, I mentioned actions build trust, and that comes up. And again, this episode had a lot of like lines said, like dialogue saying, "Hey, I'd like to be useful. Live to fight another day." And one of them was just the idea of actions build trust, and, and Singh saying, "You're going to have to trust me because everyone's making choices in this world." If you've just uh, you know wonderfully discussed with uh, Joseph, but now you, you make a choice, and the people around you are like, "Great." Great choice. What does that mean? And along the way, there's just Hunter doesn't trust Sid to, to watch Omega. And she even says, you shouldn't. But money's my motivation. Uh, Bad Batch clearly doesn't trust Sig and, and GS8. And along the way, just actions build trust. And that's, uh, you know, comes out of choices. And that's, I think when you make a choice, you have to be aware about that, too, of like, I, I, it needs to be pure and, and complete. And, and my choice needs to breed some action that's going to breed trust, which which will move all of us forward. I think that's a really great uh, assessment of this episode, and uh, I think a really great way to look at some of the larger ideas in Star Wars is, uh, you know, people will eventually show you who they are. I mean, I think that goes back to Han Solo. If he says money, 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 uh, but the the actions, uh, what he chooses to do, who he chooses to help shows people who he really is. Yeah, indeed. Um, for me, in terms of a, a big Star Wars theme, it's really this uh, one moment, but I I was affected by the fact that um, what really seems to change things for Echo is everything you're describing uh, with judging obviously by his actions. He gives them the correct clearance codes. He um, helps them. He throws his precious vase and he helps them all escape. He is not leading them into a trap or a blind alley. He, he is exactly what he says on the tin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, at least to them in this moment, he is trying to help his people. But it's that moment where he really is like, I can't leave them. And it's Echo who says, no, no, your droid's right. You know, live to fight another day is that's a big thing for Echo to say to a separatist. And I feel like the the Star Wars theme at work there is is that Star Wars so often argues that being an individual is important, uh, but but uh, helping other people in being selfless is a huge virtue and like one of the ways that you can truly show somebody else that you are to be trusted is if you are willing to put yourself out there for others and it seems like that's the thing that for echo really solidifies if this guy is willing to turn around and go back and fight for his people even when 
it's not a good idea. He's not going to be able to do anything for them now. And he's still contemplating it. Mm-hmm. That mu- this must be a decent person mm-hmm. because of that. Just huge selflessness is a virtue idea in star Wars. Pretty big, pretty big. Giving up yourself for a bigger cause, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it really is. Uh, so any other thoughts for you on, on how this episode reflects the larger story and perspective of Star Wars? Uh, for me, this a uh, lot of stuff uh, I was talking about, you know, changing your future while challenging your past. What that kind of translates to me in the bigger picture is this idea of uh, uh, just in terms of the, the canon and where we are, where we're going to in the Star Wars timeline. This is a perfect setup uh, uh, about uh, transitioning into the modern age of the rebellion, which is still, we know, is almost going to be like a 19-year process. Uh, and, and this idea of, of who is in the bunker with you now is more important than how they got there. Uh, and again, it's about choice and, and, and actions, breeding trust, and all those things, and you know the, the big virtue stuff you're talking about too. But is that always, I just love that along the way, all these people from Han to Infant's Nest to Raddus and all the Rogue One uh, scoundrels getting in there, like, and and that's that's kind of where we're heading on the on on the star wars uh, timeline and i just love seeing it start to form how uh, this this separatist senator is going to be like well this ain't this isn't right this this new new uh this empire isn't right what are we going to do about it and and eventually he's going to run into probably a, a senator he fought with it you know in in in, in the hallways over debates over policy and stuff it's going to be like no not you but it's like we're but we're both rebels now uh, yeah i love that idea yeah, and I, and I really hope we get to see uh, see some of that, right? That mm-hmm. uh, from the perspective of somebody like Avi Singh, um, you know, the the episodes in in the Clone Wars, uh, there's so many episodes about Padme trying to get a dialogue going again, and you got to imagine that Avi Singh is the kind of senator who'd be like, yeah, no, if we could if we could address the things that I'm concerned about in the Republic, that would be great, mm-hmm. uh, but instead. From his perspective, it's just uh, all of his worst fears about the Republic coming true in the form of the Empire. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Uh, any other uh, big picture thoughts before we take a quick break? No, no, no. A lot of little building blocks, of course, but uh, that was the big one that jumped out to me. Excellent. Yes, me too. Me too. So uh, I think the big picture takeaway is, as you said, uh, Omega needs... <laughs> <laughs> some knee pads in particular yeah. start building the armor from there something maybe, maybe even a stronger boot to wear i don't know something a cape a poncho something a little more protection yeah a cape that's what she needs that's that's what will keep her safe in the galaxy a cape for omega we are going to take a quick break and then we're gonna be back to discuss all of the fun and great moments and all the canon in this episode of the bad batch we will be right back Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. <laughs> finish our discussion of episode 10 of the bad batch common ground we're gonna talk favorite action moments ken uh this was this one really uh, was building building there wasn't action for a while then it was sneaky action then it was explosive action what were your favorite moments 
points. I just first wrote down A T T E action three exclamation points. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I mentioned the tank stuff up top. I don't. This is weird. Am, am I realizing I am a World War II tank warfare aficionado? I don't know. I, you know, you hear a joke. You hit, some guys hit middle age, and that's what they suddenly become: World War II tank aficionados. I don't know. But I loved this. I loved the episode. It did remind me of some of the, the things I mentioned. Kelly's Heroes, Saving Private Ryan, some of those big moments. It was in, in video games. Um, and, and I just, so I, I had a little bit of Star Wars pew, pew, pew action, you know, it, it, you know it, 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 excitement in me, I should say. And also, this side note, ATTEs look like mid-sized dogs crawling around a couch looking for treats. <laughs> I've never really paid attention. They have dog butts in the back. Just you know, I think it became more clear when we really got to see uh, their tank kind of lay down. Yes. <laughs> like, well, well, we were run down this hallway and we uh, ran out of places to go and we're kind of tired. So we're just going to lower ourselves onto our belly and feel yeah. the cool ground on our belly. Like, <laughs> this tank is a dog. Yeah, I know it's been a week of Clifford discourse on Twitter, but this had the same <laughs> energy to me. Just, and then that one, you mentioned it from a, a thematic point of view, but just the idea of this, the one crawling over the other one. I'm like, that looks like my chihuahua climbing on a pillow. <laughs> yeah, this was just uh, such a treat, right? Of uh, The ATT has always been one of the fun vehicles of the General Clone Wars era, just aesthetically cool. And it was great to spend a lot of time with them uh, doing a lot of different things, being uh, a, a means of escape for our heroes and also just a means of terror for our heroes. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, action moments, I really liked. Uh, I liked uh, Hunter being surprised by the one clone trooper. They're doing such a good job being quiet and the, the door opening and mm. the Hunter just having to grab that clone trooper and yeah. smash him's head into vases and walls. It's yeah, like, this is yeah. the quietest I can be. It's not that quiet. <laughs> love that. Yeah, love that one. Yeah. Um, we mentioned this at the top, but one of my very, very favorites from this episode, arguably it could be under under our comedy moments as well, but record Chuck and the unconscious uh, storm clones out of the ATTE. You know, you know, I've been on about lately people falling from high places. Yeah. This isn't that high, but it still is just that out the window you go. And then the great button of records saying they'll feel that in the morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's not even cruel. It's not even like a cool, like a uh, uh, James Bond zinger of uh, making fun of somebody you've defeated. It's almost like he's just reflecting on like, wow, yeah, <laughs> they're going to be effed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I uh, love. Yeah, yeah. Wrecker's just been comedy gold. Literally, tech's been comedy gold in, in other ways, but Wrecker's been comedy gold and just uh, you know loud and boisterous and being who he is. And this is another another record comedy win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any uh, any more action moments from you? Yeah, uh, one one of the bigger sequences is just the, the the taking of the first ATTE. And by the way, I will call them at tees if if you all let me still use at at without uh, <laughs> scorn. Um, at tay, at tay, yeah, yeah at which uh, comes uh, I think that's from Young Guns as well. Uh, so that just was some good old fashion, uh, fashion action, right? And mm-hmm. GSA kind of like, how are you going to do that? Uh, love that. Uh, and then, then that whole uh, sequence later on when um, the uh, ATT's uh, dog butt is shot and it collapses. Um, Hunter sliding as he stuns the uh, uh, storm clones. Uh, yeah. John Wick, like, just a great little, and then a little, the stun little circle. Woo, woo, woo. I just, you know, seven-year-old Kenny uh, pumped his fist. Oh, yeah, that that was on my list, too. There's a yeah. lot of cool action, and there's a lot of cool stunning, but the slide, 
the slide and just that reminder of like you know the the, the bad batch is worth however many troops right they're mm-hmm. uh they're good uh they're yeah. better than these regs yeah oh yeah love that love that i, I want while we're on it i want to ask you how are you feeling about the, the all stun all the time is that uh giving you a thrill are you happy to see that that's the bad batches mo what are your reactions to it i i had i, I thought about it more than any week prior uh because i don't know maybe it's because of the discussion we had about the rise and storm no spoiler spoilers if you haven't read the book but you know jedi in combat have to make some decisions and 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 killing isn't something they're going to do easy easily ever um and and so that was maybe in my head and uh you and i were debating not debating between us but just debating the idea of just like does that hurt the jedi at some point should they should they kill a little, when they're fighting the nile should they do the things a little differently a great moral question to ask yourself in the heat of battle uh, so this one it popped in my head i'm like but you know i don't know are those clones going to get up and be thankful that you stunned them or are they going to come at you harder I, I i don't know but at the end of the day of course the Bad Batch is going to do that. They're, they're dealing with what's going on. They're processing with this big switch in the galaxy. And I wouldn't want them to be just willy-nilly killing uh, those that were their brothers and still are. Yeah, I really, really love it. It's, uh, it's a great contrast that uh, the, the you know clones influenced by the Empire, influenced by uh, Order 66, uh, by their inhibitor chips, uh, they're, not, they're not shooting sunbolts. Right. Um, and it really does give this great perspective of the Bad Batch of obviously they're doing their mission. They have not always got along with all their brothers. They can be kind of salty to regs. It seems like some regs we see from that lunchroom scene, right? That mess hall scene, um, you know, maybe kind of jealous or mock them or ostracize them for being different. So maybe there's no love lost there between the regs. But you got to think with an episode like this with just uh, dozens of stuns. <laughs> mm-hmm. that are our friends from the Bad Batch looking at every one of those people that they stun going, if we had time, you could take your chip out. Yeah. And you wouldn't do this. Right. How much of this is your choice? Mm. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point. Yeah. So I, I love this done. Great great to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah anyway, back to action. Uh, any any other moments for you? One final one that I, I noted, uh, and a lot of great action all the way through again. I, I, I could I could list every firing of the main cannon of ATTs, whether the, you know, the one that was forced away and then destroys the tower in the back, which is also kind of like a World War II picture, a standby uh, bit of action. Uh, there was a great shot. It was post-action, but I put it in the action. Great shot of melted metal dripping off the walker. And I, that, that's something I haven't really seen in Star Wars, but as particularly animation before. At least hasn't jumped out to me. I really love that little shot. Oh, yeah. No, the, the, um, the one that they were escaping in was yeah. uh, dripping oil, uh, according to the, the subtitles, but metal, too. So they use yeah. that, that dog is having some bladder issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's all red and lava-like and just good image. Yeah, it was. It was really like the the truth of battle, right? This mm-hmm. kind of aesthetic truth of of injury. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, I really loved uh, Wrecker manually pulling the cannon away. I think he says something like "no, ah," <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that it's his just big, beefy, strong arm that pulls it off uh, off course to shoot that tower. Um, last action beat for me is the uh, the vase chucking. Um, mm. The vase, I think, uh, also straddles comedy and uh action but i just i really liked that through line with the vase it was a, a fun little grace note to me it had uh thematic resonance but it's also just fun 
and it was a nice surprise when it came hurtling out of the tank mm-hmm. and the delivery when uh, GS8 says, Senator. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he just he says very calmly, I never much cared for that Voz. <laughs> it's a great moment of action and comedy. Absolutely indeed. All right. With that, then let's transition fully into comedy. What were some of your favorite comedy moments? Yeah, the comedy, whimsy, whimsy, weirdness, all through this episode of fun little moments. Uh, just starting with Omega sharing the Manto mix. That's a great runner for me. I love it. It's just uh, just adorable, just endearing that word we always use with Omega, but just like it's great and dropping a, a, a piece into his mouth. There's that. I love that little moment. Yeah. And a uh, thing that I caught on the second viewing, uh, partially because it's uh, really highlighted by the subtitles, is Echo sniffing the Mantel mix to see if it's something that he'd be interested in, which I still would take more focus on Echo. But I do think the the some of the beats that Echo had, like that simple comedy moment, made him pop a little bit more where he is, you know, he's got a little bit of our perspective from watching the Clone Wars. He went through the Clone Wars, you know, more or less uh, with us. He's seen the same things. He, He knows Cad Bane like we know Cad Bane. Uh, he has that same strong reaction to separatists that that we might. And he's got a little bit of like, I'm really not sure about our path. I'm really not sure that we're choosing the right steps forward. I'm not even sure about this Mantel mix. I'm going to sniff that to see if it's up to snuff. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So very, very funny. Indeed. Um, more funny moments or moments of comedy, whimsy and weirdness uh, for you. Yeah, uh, there is what well, uh, Bolo and Catch shaking their heads at, at Sid was was great, and and I just gonna say uh, Catch it, it specifically for me is just really funny. Just every, a couple episodes, uh, a couple moments in this episode too, though, with, during the game where he just kind of leans on the pentord and oh nope, oh, okay, sorry, sorry, buddy, sorry, buddy. <laughs> uh, I just love everything. You're kind of good again. You got you got Carla from Cheers running around. I I need some good bar denizens, you know, and <laughs> it's around yeah. that story. This is they had a real uh, Norman Cliff vibe to me this week, uh, where they're simpatico on certain things and then they have some conflict. Uh, yeah, absolutely great moment where they shake their head and great point of view uh, to just see it from Sid's perspective of them shaking their heads. I'm sure it is already a gif and it is one that I think I'll be needing a lot. <laughs> a lot. I am. No, uh, can't believe you did that. Uh, yeah. So after that moment of simpatico and they're there all the time together, after uh, they get uh, beat by Omega uh, helping Sid out, they get mad at each other and take it outside. Like, hey, come on. You, you, you seem like your best buddies. Like, does yeah. take it outside mean like you know, they're going to go argue in private or like are they really going to go outside and beat each other up? Like, it seems like you only have each other, Bolo and Catch. Do you really want to fight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, this is the uh, the story we need. We need Bolo and Catch, a standalone story. <laughs> uh, I've seen some calls for it. Uh, they're very cool. I love that. I love the design of Bolo. Very, yeah. very great. Uh, other moments for you. Yeah, uh, the uh, Omega has a great I told you moment with an eyebrow smirk after uh, uh, Sid loses the the game there. I love that little moment there. Uh, uh, there is, uh, oh, the first, the very, like the very first Stormtrooper that makes, uh, get, gets stunned, just has this wonderful, weird gurgle. It just like, I don't know, it's just <laughs> jumped out. That almost was the sound cue for this week. But uh, uh, I love stun gurgles. Those stun are the gurgles. best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, you mentioned the the Vaz moment. Uh, uh, oh, when they first take because GS8's like you can't, uh, you know. I'm paraphrasing, but just like 
you can't, how are you going to take that walker? And then they do. And she says, nicely done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the way that they bond. I like the way that she's like, oh, you're very direct. I yep. like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And after they push her out into service, she's like, okay, I get it. You want me to go first and distract them. Okay. I'll do that from now on. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff. The vase catch to me was very funny. Not only her line of like, uh, this vase was gifted to Senator Singh for his years of service. Uh, just the awkward pose that mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she went into to catch it. I also think I just appreciated uh, this droid because she felt unique enough, but it wasn't like this big swing to be like, let's create a really different droid. Like she seemed mm-hmm. like her and 3PO could, you know, have uh, an oil bath together and, and would kind of have the same perspective just trying to take care of my my person swap some uh person stories <laughs> yep yep yeah did they ever throw something valuable oh yeah they're oh. always throwing valuable things <laughs> yeah Love that. they tell you to protect it and then they throw it at a trooper it's always the way isn't it yeah yeah, uh, one final, a final Wrecker moment. Just uh, again, again, always love Wrecker's reactions, but just laughing. There was a little laugh he gives as he tosses a stun grenade into the ATTE. He's like, <laughs> "Love this!" Oh yeah, no, that that's a that's a real good one. Um, mm-hmm. The great, oh ho ho! <laughs> like, he's like, "I wonder how this is gonna go." Like, you know, um, a couple moments for me. Uh, yeah, Sid was great. I love the way uh, it is such amazing delivery by Rhea Perlman from years of experience on Cheers that she can just deliver those nicknames with just oh, such yeah. venom of uh, the two early on. Uh, I'm not interested in a history lesson, goggles. <laughs> when Tex reading his Wikipedia entry about Raxus. Yeah. And then when uh, Hunter is uh, giving her uh, guff, <laughs> she says, yeah, yeah, bandana. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was one of my favorite ones. Uh, absolutely great. Uh, two more for me. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, o- Omega is very endearing. And a part of that is just this really great delivery that's incredibly believable in for the character, but like just very specific. And I thought this episode really knocked it out of the uh, park. Mm-hmm. The delivery... Uh, when she was, uh, you know, moping too much of the sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was, that was capital E endearing, I thought. Yeah. And, and then with, you know, great direction in the episode as, as always. And, and, you know, we, we, every week it's become, ah, this show's so beautiful. And, you know, and I don't ever want to overlook that because it's, it is. And it's, it's a new level of animation. There's just some, there were some great Omega moments where, I it's like it's like did they just did they motion capture Michelle Ang as she was doing because it just was so the voice the movement the the eyes everything about uh, uh, these character designs the way they're moving now in these shows it's just it, nothing short of spectacular and and you know we sh- I guess we shouldn't be shy about calling it every uh, calling it out every week because it's wonderful yeah it is it's amazing and it's one I think one of the things that makes this show such a treat is it's mm-hmm. just it's beautiful and delivered so well. And it's just, it's just really, really well made. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. my final note on that is just in a larger conversation, but a lot of, over the years, you know, what other shows we want? And sometimes you and I, and many other star Wars fans will be like, well, what if we were, you know, a Luke animated show? And I think years past would have been like awesome, but I don't know. How would that look? And I just think even the, the, the beauty of resistance, I don't want to overlook that. What's going on with this clone Wars season seven, the idea of getting some big legacy characters in an animated tale, 
it's it's now more exciting to me than ever before because of what they're doing in series like this. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. I mean, imagining uh, a you know Luke's Jedi Temple uh, mm-hmm. rendered like this mm-hmm. with him training a young Ben Solo and a bunch of other young Jedi. Yeah, I mean that's that's thrilling for the the content, and now, like you said, even more thrilling for just realizing how beautifully it can be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A uh, final moment of a uh, comedy whimsy weirdness for me is uh, in that great action sequence where they are taking over the ATT and. And GS8 questions how they're going to do that. And Wrecker's like, well, I'll do it just by grabbing him. And mm-hmm. Sing's hat goes flying. <laughs> GS8 grabs it and holds it up real quick like, don't worry, I've got your hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great, quick, little dynamic of Wrecker is chaos and GS8 is trying to be order. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to hold on to that hat. I got your hat. I got your vase. Uh, we got this taken care of. And then I had to catch the hat, 3PL. <laughs> Always leaving their clothing behind, too. Uh, all right, let's move on to canon, lore connections, and all that. Let's just dive into Raxus, Ken. Yep. Uh, the guest star of this episode, guest starring Raxus and Separatists. Uh, <laughs> Raxus is also known as Raxus Secondus because mm-hmm. there is uh, different uh, confusion with other planets that also have Raxus as part of their name. Uh, this is the capital city, Raxalon. Uh this uh, planet has been featured in the Clone Wars episode Heroes on Both Sides. Uh, Padme and Ahsoka meet uh, Mina Bonteri there uh, for a clandestine attempt to restart actual diplomacy with the Separatists. Uh, the planet is also featured in the Clone Wars era novel Dark Disciple. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dooku is getting an award there, I believe, for humanitarian services. So who knows? Maybe he's getting a vase too. Uh, I don't remember. But he's getting an award there when Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress uh, attempt to kill him uh, on this planet. Uh, the planet is also mentioned uh, multiple times in the Tarkin novel. Uh, it's a part of the Tarkin novel where Tarkin has uh, subjugated uh, a moon. And Tar 4 uh, is a means to pressure Raxus to hand over remaining separatists. Also from that Tarkin novel, it is mentioned that uh, Dooku's speech uh, where he had declared that the Republic is full of problems and there should be uh, some sort of separatist movement that was broadcast from the Raxus system. So a bunch of history of uh, this planet as the the seat of the uh, political separatist movement. Yeah, and, and, and again, another planet in the Bad Batch where we get to go back to or we get to spend more time on or we get to learn more about. And this one, uh, just a well use. Uh, it, it's not just a uh, planet guest star of the week like it's Love Boat or Fantasy Island. It has great purpose behind it. They use this one so effectively. Yeah, and it, it continues to be this great thing where the Bad Batch has missions on different planets and we get to see based on what the planet, what was going on in the planet, their reaction to the empire. I love that we got to see, you know, uh, cut Laquane and Sue being like, everybody's, everybody came uh, here to get away from this. So we're getting the hell out of town uh, to Pantora. Like they're, they're still in this honeymoon period, but I think it might be great, (laughs) you know, to Ordmantel where everybody's hiding out uh, to this planet where it's, it was a separatist stronghold. So things are going to be really not good here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and even get get the story that that the empire is really having to try to figure out, like, okay, how are we going to put the boot down because they are resisting us? Right. Yeah. Any other thoughts for you on Raxus uh, or, or the uh, canon behind it? No, just uh, uh, um, 
I, I you mentioned the you know the the, the Mina Monterey episode always been one of my favorites. Where we were uh, close to getting to that in the in the, the Clone Wars report, which which will resume after a Bad Batch report. But uh, I just love that because it's also something that's kind of uh, I, I would still say it's new in a way in terms. You know, we didn't grow up with it in the eighties until it started showing up. What Force Unleashed, Rax's Prime, which is this isn't the same. And they even had a comment: uh, the connection's not been revealed. All those kind of things. But just love hearing it. But then. Really, again, spending time on it and just uh, now it's it's uh, what is uh, new becomes old and comfortable and familiar in a great way in Star Wars. And, and I love that that happens. Yeah. And I, I think for me, it is really a symbol of exploring things that are going to be familiar to fans who really pay attention to this kind of mm-hmm. stuff or fans who uh, really want to read the Wikipedia entry the second the episode is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's so so it's got a little bit of your what you're talking about that familiarity of in that connection and that, Ooh, that's awesome. But I also just feel like bad batch is concentrating on uh, tips of the iceberg that we haven't seen too much of the iceberg and mm-hmm. showing us a little bit more. And I really appreciated spending more time on this planet that is known. Uh, but you know, it's not like it's Tatooine, right? Yeah. And it, yeah. it represents something else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, then for me, there wasn't a ton of other canon stuff. Uh, we got to hear about the uh, clearance codes, which I think uh, are always a thing, but it's become a bigger thing uh, with yep. the old empire. <laughs> we got, uh, of course, the Dejeric, which is great. Right. Uh, we got the ITO droid or mind probe complete with syringe close up. I love and I was trying to think, other than not counting novels, but I'm like, on on any animated show, live action show, have we seen a, a torture droid finish its job yet? Have we ever seen that? I don't think we have. Uh, yeah, we get to, you know, we get to hear uh, that it did uh, work on Leia for a while, very uh, upsettingly in different places in canon. We right. get to hear Leia's reflections on that. Um, but yeah, no, it was nice that they stunned the mind probe. Mm-hmm. Um how did you feel about the syringe close-up? Was that for you like, okay, been there, done that? Or were you excited by the syringe close-up? I, I liked it. It's, it's, and it's so weird. And I'm like, yeah, that thing for torture. Ah, it's my, I love that. Nah, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's good use of uh, nostalgia. And for some people, maybe this might be their first time seeing it. Uh, maybe they'll go back to New Hope and be like, New Hope's ca- copying Bad Batch. Um, I don't know. It just, I love it's uh, I've got a bad feeling about of this about this so all those kind of like little weird traditions in Star Wars I I, I celebrate them they're they're part of why we come back and so uh, the syringe close up and a door slamming or a smoke bomb coming in and you'll never see it uh, inject I'm okay with that it's a fun tradition <laughs> you never want to see the syringe inject yeah um I th- I really like seeing it because one it's just like yeah it's from the Empire like but remember the Empire just started and, <laughs> and Sidious yeah. is like look let's roll out all this cruel stuff right away you know let's get going with this yeah this one still Um, had like the like the cellophane or like the little paper peel back cover off the you know lens you have to take off you know yeah and it's not that the technology is new because i know there's history with it and sith stuff and all that but it is really like uh look every you know just imperials on planets like this is part of your kit let's go this is part of the way our government works you know unity in front torture in the back let's go Uh, there's your t-shirt yeah it's a it's a loot box that you just got so you've just joined the empire or been forced to (laughs) take a mind probe and then for me the syringe uh I, I've always enjoyed it, you know, and it's always just been part of Star Wars for me because it's, you know, it's it was in Star Wars. Yeah. But as I got uh, older and there's a lot more um, criticism of every piece of Star Wars and in particular the Star Wars debate about um, what is too real world. It has really started to amuse me that like if that hadn't been in A New Hope, 
and just mm-hmm. in the last Jedi, a mind probe showed up, and it was just like a syringe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like you would just find down at the hospital. Uh, you could probably buy at Walgreens. A syringe is from the world. A yeah. syringe from Walgreens is just taped on this space ball. <laughs> Dumb. I can yeah. just hear the criticisms, and it's but but it's there because it's in the first Star Wars. I've never thought about it that way. I love that you did that because you're so right. That's so right. Ruin Johnson put a syringe in Star Wars <laughs> and an iron. Oh, unbelievable! Yeah. Yes, it's so right. It's like and yeah. it's really, it's a little floating ball with a syringe on it. You're so right. It's just it's like that's all they. George wants a torture droid. What do we got? Yeah, this ball looks really cool, but uh, it needs to be scarier. Uh, tape a syringe, <laughs> <laughs> and it works, and it gets celebrated all these years later. Yeah, a uh, couple other things for me. Um, it was great to hear the uh, Imperial alert horn uh, many paces throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, back on Ord Mantell, uh, when they were returning, I believe there's a quick shot of a rat of some kind scurrying across a cable above the street on Ord Mantell. And it looked a lot like a very similar shot on Corellia from Solo. And I liked it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, any other canon moments for you? One little little one. Uh, the, the tradition, another tradition being carried on. Stormtroopers being punched off screen. Just uh, <laughs> very reminiscent of uh, New Hope. Uh, but just yeah, those first uh, first two, they're trying to you know, uh, GS eight gets them to come over, and all of a sudden, yoink yoink, gunk gunk, off camera. Off camera. Were you waiting to see? Did you have that suspended moment when it was clear that this was going to happen off camera? If there was going to be blaster shots or punching noises? Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I I thought to be honest, I thought they were going to come around the corner in their armor. I don't know how logistically how that would work. <laughs> you, you get your armor off fast, and but I just had that. It, it just immediately just it invoked that whole sequence. No, it really did for me because I was like, am I going to hear those very familiar blaster sounds or no? Hey, punches much better, much smarter, guys. Yes. Good job. Good job. Good job. Uh, All right. So that is our look at the canon connections in this episode of Bad Batch. Uh, So we move on to anything that we disliked or questioned. Ken, was there anything you disliked or questioned? No, no, no. I really, you know. I never want to dig for the negative. So, so, but I, I asked myself again, I had that weird reaction at the end of the episode. And it's a beautiful moment with Hunter and, and, and Omega. And all right, tell you what, you beat me knowing she probably will. You get on the, I loved it. Sweet moment. Talk about parenting and star Wars and all the themes of the season. Great stuff. But I, it, it went to credits. And I went, huh? All right. That's all they did this week. So, you know, immediately I took to my YouTube channel, got in my car and, and ranted about filler <laughs> episodes, but um, no. And so I don't question it. Just, and, and I think I, I, I mold that over my brain. And that's where I came to what I said, at the top of the show, but just like, I think they're really just like, we know what we're doing and we know that we aren't Mandalorian right now. And we're just going to, we are going to tell this story and years from now, when you're doing a rewatch, uh, when you're digging into a bad batch, this is the type of episode where people are like, Oh, you like the, do you like that Raxus episode? Oh, I love that Raxus episode. And bad batch is already doing that. I've had conversations. Uh, my friend Van William, I've mentioned before, uh, been on the, uh, you know, singer songwriter, been on four center four big Star Wars fan. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, ah, I haven't watched, watched bad batch yet. I said, just, just when you can't do it. He texted me this week. He's like, 
holy crap, I, I just started. This is amazing. Uh, a friend of mine who actually has, has worked in Star Wars was like, I don't know. The trailers just didn't grab me. It's all is it all action and shooting? I like my Star Wars to be a little slower and, and introspective. And I was like, then this is the show for you. <laughs> and and I, I just love the Bad Batch. Really is it knows what it is right now. And even though there's some moments where, as a fan, I can be like, oh, there Boba Fett didn't show up with Aura Singh, and now I feel incomplete. Um, this episode just just really was like, here, this is the story we're telling. You're on board and you'll get there eventually. Uh, just enjoy what we got right now. Yeah, I think that's a really great uh, point and great stories of people uh, being unsure of like, yeah, is this just going to be uh, kind of fun A-team <laughs> yeah. in, uh, in clone armor shooting stuff? Uh, I can see how you might be concerned about that from the trailers, but knowing that it it is all doing a lot more. I think also um, just I think of the words patience i said words plural because i was thinking of saying patience twice patience patience um we can watch an episode like this coming off of last week where, where you and i even discussed like hey our hopes for this episode we said last week are i hope hunter really sits down and goes all right i gotta make a decision i gotta be proactive do how can i protect omega how can i find out more do i want to go back to try to help crosshair what are we gonna do um and so you can go into an episode like this and go like, okay, but well we were hoping for Hunter to make a, a big decision and make a big move. Mm -hmm. um, and then it can make you go like, okay, well, but then what happened in this episode? And that's where I say patience, patience. Right. We don't yet know how important what happened in this episode was. Yeah. And I think that's played out a lot in Mandalorian mm -hmm. where people have certain episodes where they're like, well, what did we learn? And I'm like, well, you learned this really important piece of information or you met this character who's going to be really important down the line or this thematic idea was introduced that's going to build that you was that episode was necessary as a starting point and i think there's a lot in this episode where it can feel like hey, it's back to basics the bad batch went on a mission and there was a funny side story with omega but i think there's a lot going on that there's building blocks in this episode yeah big building blocks I, yeah absolutely star wars building blocks season one yes <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh i think for me uh the only thing uh, i questioned uh this uh, I, I should answer this question more of the the thing i craved mm. is i so loved getting to spend time with the separatists from a different point of view um unlike the characters uh i would have taken more politics <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh and i i don't know obviously it could be one a one note character or one episode character not a one note one episode character Sid takes him the back gets a payment and he's off by the time we catch up or next episode could open with like got a new mission from you you got to take this avi Singh guy to your friend rex you know we don't know yet so there could be more with avi um but the separatist story has always just kind of been told around the edges right uh and i feel like this character this era is an opportunity to really explore in just a, a sort of crystal clear fashion this idea that there were people who had legitimate concerns who were manipulated mm -hmm. by the Sith and by, you know, uh, greedy, awful people like Wat Tambor. And to have somebody like Avi Singh reflect on, my fears came true, but now with this new information I have, I also understand I was manipulated and my legitimate fears were turned into something awful. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so this is a great, by the way, this is maybe something we should add, dislike, questioned, or craved. Um, <laughs> I really do, I, I really love the opening of this episode. It, it's, again, shot beautifully, uh, to, to repeat that. But um, 
You got Captain Bragg. Shout out to uh, the great Shelby Young voicing her and uh, everything going on there. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing more of that character. I wouldn't mind seeing more of Singh. Just having to really come to terms with it, like you're saying, like you're suggesting here. And and and, and I would love, because he's there. They're at the bar. So does next week start with all of them, uh, you know, GS8 going, I've never had alcohol. What is this, Sid? Is that kind of moment? Or is it like, look, he's made a decision. Are you going to make the decision with him? Or maybe it's Singh saying it. Maybe it's not Sid giving him a mission, but Singh going, all right, hey, look, I, all right, I paid her off, but I, I got to go. This this is where we got to go now. Uh, and, and maybe it's time I call that guy Bale I didn't get along with. You know, uh, all those bad <laughs> I, I would really want that. I, I'm with you there. More politics in my bad match. Yeah. And again, much like our Boba Fett discussion last week, that doesn't feel like a different story taking over. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, this this story started even with Saw Gerrera, uh, one of the hugest symbols of the mm-hmm. rebellion going, hey. Maybe make a choice. It's a yep. different fight now. Uh, same fight from from Saw's perspective up to a point, but a different reality for for the Bad Batch. Yep. So this story of them kind of dancing at on the edge of the rebellion has been in this the whole season, I think. Yeah, yeah, and 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 maybe my final point on that, or final thought on that, I should say, is uh, going what we're talking about up top. But one of the things I love is like, yes, we are watching them, and we know, hey, choose, man, we're rooting for them, right? Join the rebellion. Join the rebellion. But it's very realistic. This week was a very realistic episode of, yeah, you know what? I'm thinking of uh, joining that. Wait, that guy's there? I hated that guy. And I got to deal with I got to process things. I, I think it was very realistic uh, along with some great action and funny moments. And, and this change not happening overnight, their ideology changing slowly. I really am there for that. Yeah, absolutely. That they're starting from the point of like, okay, where we can't live the lives we used to. So we're trying to figure out our lives. And mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. other people who are farther down this journey are being like, well, your life is tied to the rest of the galaxy. And you're seeing all of this evidence that you're not going to be able to escape the tyranny of the empire. Mm-hmm. But they're still in that place of like, well, <laughs> we don't have our jobs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> who yeah. are we going to be? Uh, we've already kind of danced into this. I'm talking about hopes for next episode. I uh, want to get into that. And I want to ask you a specific question, Ken. Mm-hmm. Talking about what's established in this episode. Uh, Omega's talent with strategy. Mm-hmm. Big part of what this episode is. Do you think that's just a reflection of her unaltered DNA? She is good at strategy. Do you think uh, Nala Say took her aside and really trained her on strategy? Or is this a big, bigger story point? Is this uh, kind of one of the things that makes Omega uh, unique, that this is one of her skill sets that make her unique even within clones? Is there something more there to this story of Omega's really good at strategy? Uh, You're suggesting she's a Tarkin clone, and I I just love that. Oh, no, no. I I, know everything you're saying there. I'm like, check, 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 check. Right. Uh, Part part engineering uh, uh, to make a joke of it a little bit. But uh, yeah, part, you know, just um, being on only on Camino and just observing, maybe going through different kind of training. Who knows? You know, if you're if you're at the side of some of these, uh, you know, leaders on Camino as they train, maybe you're picking some other stuff up. And also just this has to mean something, right? I don't I don't necessarily think episode 16 is the storming of the castle and she has the plan, but it could be something like that. And you're right. This is we'll look back and go, yeah, this was revealed as, as a true skill and why it's key to the team. So uh, all of the above, sir. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on where it comes from. I think there's some uh, nature and nurture. Yeah. <laughs> there's a little bit of uh, the DNA of her uh, her father, if you want to frame it that way, of uh, Jango Fett, and only if you want to frame it that way. Yeah. Um, and, and training. 
but also it's really built well with everything we've seen from her that she is really observant mm-hmm. and uh, sees opportunities that other characters don't like just like literally physically sometimes, but also strategically. Yeah. Uh, observant is, is a great point. I mean, a lot of her just understanding this comes from, I mean, she's Thrawn like, right. Uh, I understand the, who you're, you're, you're playing against. I understand the other people in the room. I understand I learn about them and, and, and it's not just the information I have that makes me a good strategy. It's the information I can pick up about just you yourself. I, I think it all factors in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I fully expect uh, that by the time we are done recording this there will be some memes with uh omega being put in as the character from the netflix show queen's gambit oh yes <laughs> uh who saw uh expert chess player in the great visual <laughs> where uh she sees all the chess pieces uh on the ceiling <laughs> mm. that's uh, omega with the jerk sees go. the jerk pieces on the ceiling um so uh, a, a couple other things that i wanted to specifically ask you about of hopes mm. for next episodes uh, this episode really did highlight of they're free of their debt from Sid. So mm-hmm. now they, it, it would seem like unless Sid is going to threaten them again of like, I could turn you in right. unless you keep working for me. Uh, it's a question of whether they're going to keep working for her. Do you think we're the next episode will wrestle with that choice of, are we going to stay here or are we going? I, I, I think it, I think it could, I almost said should. And I don't like that word in discussing star Wars. Right. Uh, I, I think it could, that, 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 that's no small feat. Right. And, and, and Omega doing that for the team and, and what that means. So I would like to see that combined with saying, uh, I could be there for that. And I just really want just ramifications, uh, from their decision and their involvement. That's why even the character of captain Bragg, if, if, if that character shows up or just like, she's like, Hey, it's this, this bad batch group did this. If this is not just this little one-off mission is and, 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 you know, and it shouldn't be to the, the empire, right. Rax is a pretty important planet for them. Um, that, yeah, then uh, you know, whether it's crosshair or others, like we, the, the, uh, they're, you know, the Nazgul are following them. Let, let's get, but like, let, I actually want to see the empire pissed off about the Bad Batch now. Yeah, no, if, uh, Bragg and Rampart share a hollow call there, mm-hmm. uh, they've got some common problems. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, what would be exciting, no shoulds, mm-hmm. what, what would make sense to me, what would be exciting is if in the next few episodes, uh, trouble comes and finds them on Ord Mantell. Either the Empire cracking down or a bounty hunter or two uh, finding them on Ord Mantell because I think that'll be a great pressure point on mm. Hunter to be like, well, we, this can't just be the norm because they're going to find us wherever we go, so we need to address it in some way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Empire coming there is uh, intriguing to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I kind of felt that when they, they got away from that Imperial controlled world, they've got away from a few Imperial controlled worlds and Ord Mantell seems to be like, Oh, we can, we're still able to kind of just hang out here and like, yeah, for how long? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so exciting stuff for future episodes. Is there anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, I think we covered everything in this, uh, you know, this wonderful little tank battle of an episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to be sure to, as you already did, highlight Alexander Sadig. I uh, just uh, love a ton of his performances. I recently, uh, over the uh, the old lockdown, rewatched all of Deep Space Nine, so he's been on my mind a lot. So I'm great to, to see and hear him doing stuff. Uh, the other thing, we, we often shout out the music. Uh, the ambient music in Sid's parlor was really great. This oh, episode, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, and we all should, should highlight, I am not super familiar with her. I know she was in Fleabag. A lot of people love, uh, I'm not sure how to say the name, Cian Clifford, Cian Clifford, who was GS8. Um, uh, wonderful performance as well. Really struck a good tone. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I did not. Re- I'm going to have to go uh, cross-reference because I did not realize yeah. uh, that was uh, the the person from Fleabag. That's awesome. Yeah, and then, then now you have her and Phoebe Waller-Bridge from Fleabag being great droids in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> now we just need Hot Priest, uh, yes. who is another important character in Fleabag. There you go. Uh, all right. So we always wrap up our discussions. We talk about a lot of uh, big ideas, a lot of fun ideas, action ideas, but we end with something that's very close to our hearts, and that's toys. Ken, if you could have a figure or a toy uh, inspired by this episode, what do you want? There are a lot of great figure options. I'll say that for sure. You might have some too, but I want a breakaway Funko Pop Oz. (laughs) Uh, Special edition Ned Stark with the detached head back at Comic-Con a few years ago. Uh, Wonderfully tasteless in the best way. Thank you, Funko. Uh, So I want that too, just a a Oz that you can hit uh it's soft so you can hit your own head and it breaks oh i love it that i was gonna say that too i would want a nice uh vintage collection obviously yeah. three and three quarter uh with two vases uh the oh. one that's uh that's uh you know still intact and the one that's shattered <laughs> I, I i actually really love that yeah a good accessory <laughs> i also think we're getting pretty close to uh that place where maybe we just need uh in real world a uh, huge uh dejeric tables that we can hmm. uh purchase for our our homes I mean, if, if you, you got it, there's got to be some Disney Imagineer that's like, how do we get this to Galaxy's Edge? You know oh, right. what they want. Oh, real life, yeah, I, great. We want real life to Jarek. I can't wait to wake up at 5 a.m. in a hotel by Disney and desperately smash the button on my phone <laughs> to try to get <laughs> reservations to play to Jarek. So true. It would be a nightmare. Uh, Then uh, this is a weird one because I'm always focusing on toys, but um, I I want a coloring book called Bolo and Catch, Take It Outside. And it's just page after page of them fighting and you get to color it in. Yeah. Oh, that's a great. Yeah, we we do need like a flip book of their adventures. Uh, uh, Coloring book's a great idea. Yeah, we celebrate Bolo and Catch with something somehow. That is our big look at Chapter 10, Common Ground. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? I absolutely do. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. You can also go to our Facebook page, which is Force Center Podcast. You can get an audio book on us on Audible at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Force Center. We have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Uh, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Don't, don't forget, top tier, you get uh, the Force Center trading cards, new batch we'd run out of stock we got a new batch in so some people are going to get those soon and uh, we got some uh, stickers as well we throw in that pack so that's if you support at the top tier uh, but we just appreciate any kind of support for uh, supporting what we do here. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Don't forget, you can find us on a lot of spots, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Amazon Music, and Spotify as well. You can find me at Catnapsock or my website, catnapsock.com. And you, Joseph. Yeah, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at Joseph Scrimshaw. And then you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all of my other comedy adventures. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for all the vases and all the tanks, this has been the Bad Batch Report.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 